0: you are listening to the Testudo Times podcast Network
1: welcome into another episode of the Testudo Times podcast on the Testudo Times Podcast Network I'm Sam Austria alongside alongside Dylan Spilko and Lauren Rosh we have a lot to get to today Maryland men's basketball is 11 and 14 three and 11 in the big ten. Um, sitting in 12th place out of 14 teams in the Big Ten right now. They've had two games since our last recording, two losses, 110-87 loss to Iowa in College is the most points that Maryland has ever given up in the Xfinity Center. And then they come back and almost beat one of the best teams in, in the country in Purdue. So we'll get to both those matchups. But first, let's start with that Iowa matchup. Like I said, the 110 points and the 23-point defeat it was the most Maryland ever gave up at the Xfinity Center. Um, they gave it 57 points in the first half, 53 in the second half, and it looked like they were had no effort. They actually played decent offensively, but defensively they had no effort. Iowa shot the lights out of the ball. What did we take away from that one?
0: You know, it was just such a clinical effort from Iowa all around, and what I took away from it is that this one was really surprising the way it turned out, because it's not like Iowa is having this unreal season. You know, they don't have Luka Garza anymore it's all it's the Keegan Murray show mostly Jordan Bohannon obviously went off we'll get to that soon I'm sure but I don't know it just didn't feel like that this was a very a, a game that played out what everybody thought or everybody how it thought it would you know nobody thought Iowa would come into Xfinity Center and put up over the century point at century mark in points it would just wasn't realistic and Keegan Murray Jordan, Jordan Bohannon really showed out in Xfinity Center Keegan Murray loves to play Maryland apparently 65 points in two games that he's played but it's just it was just a very clinical performance from Iowa and I'm not sure that it's a lack of effort from Maryland in that one but it just seemed no matter what Maryland did defensively Iowa always just had something in response and Maryland couldn't even keep it close it's not like this game was just a few runs it was just one big Iowa run basically so that's really all it was it was an offensive barrage from Iowa and There's not much uh, if only Maryland could put in Danny Manning from the sidelines on defense.
2: Yeah. And I think coming into that game or going into that game, we talked about it last week, but it looked like a relatively winnable game for Maryland. I think we talked about how we thought Maryland definitely had a shot, especially kind of um, its track record kind of in rematches this season so far. But what I mostly took away from that performance is offensively, they were kind of doing all that they could and putting together the pieces that they had to there. But defensively it just they couldn't get it done and that Keegan Murray and Jordan Bohannon just were really too much for Maryland um every shot seemed to be going in from deep especially from Jordan Bohannon um uh interim head coach Danny Manning talks about it a lot after that game that he's never seen a performance kind of like the one he saw from Jordan Bohannon and I feel like um Bohannon and Murray like single-handedly really kind of uh Drove almost honestly drove the Terps out of their own um, arena, and I think that in some ways you look at the final score and maybe like it's not like the biggest margin ever, and it kind of feels like there was definitely some a little bit of fight towards the end as the rotation kind of switched up a little bit, but just defensively there was nothing that Maryland could do to stop Iowa, and it really just led to this huge blow-up loss that maybe was not so expected.
1: Yeah, and then the crazy thing about it is like you guys touched on is the 87 points that Maryland scored is the most they scored in regulation this season. Um, and they shot 48% from the field, which Maryland, the team that struggled to shoot the ball, they'll take that most nights. But obviously their defensive effort was just not there. And yeah, if Iowa shoots 60% from the field and two play of two players that go off for 30 points each for a combined 60 points, it's going to be hard to stop them. But it really was the effort. And it felt like, that felt like the game that they they kind of decided like, this season's almost over and then they responded really well. So we'll get to that in a little bit, but like, is that like as good of offensive performance as we're going to see for Maryland? Because they played that well, they played really well offensively, but just defensively, there was no effort.
0: Right. It's, I don't know. I don't, once again, I don't know if it's a lack of effort. I don't know if it's, I think Iowa, I think most of it is just, they just, shot the lights out of the ball and they just were raining down ceaselessly from 3 but
1: but even but even after the even after the game like Danny Manning and Fats also yeah. both said like yeah of course if they're going to shoot that well maybe you're not going to win the game but to to give up 110 points and and then the effort was questioned by the players and coaches after the game i, I mean i think yes it, it's hard to defend against those players but i also saw like the the effort just wasn't as good as as we know it can be because we saw them play with a tremendous effort the next game
0: yeah that's that's also a product of them going into that game on it must it was probably a three-game losing streak at that point and they were trailing by so much in the first half where it, the time trailing just eventually you know you look up at the scoreboard and you only have a minute and three seconds of leading throughout the entire 40-minute game I mean obviously the guys in the post game are going to sound a little defeated. I think that kind of plays a role into it. So that's why I'm not really sure it's more of an effort thing. Like if you go back into the highlights and you watch some of Jordan Bohannon's shots, I mean, he was just hitting circus shot after circus shot. It didn't even matter where he pulled up from three. It was just falling. And he had this attempt with like 10 minutes left in the the second half. He, He lost his dribble. He just picked it up and it was almost like a video game. And he just chucked it from three and it went in. So sometimes I think just teams have it going their way some days and that's why I think that you're you're going to get such a deflated answer in the post game about about like the effort because you're you are trailing for thirty eight minutes and it's it's just hard to play a team that has two players that can combine for sixty plus points
2: yeah, and I also think that we've talked about this week after week also is that. Maryland does have trouble with star players on other teams and it's it doesn't matter where they are on the floor it's kind of a struggle for them if there's somebody who is scoring their you know if they lead the team in points and they're scoring above or at their average Maryland has trouble finding a way to win those games and that has happened happened the first time Maryland played Rutgers it happened when Maryland played Illinois for the first time it happened in both Iowa games so when you look at Jordan Bohannon who's having a career kind of night with those threes and shooting as at high of, at as high of a clip as he was from that point on the, um, on the court, it's going to be hard for Maryland to find a way to stop it. And despite effort per se, like sometimes effort and talent just don't necessarily, um, correlate as much as I think a lot of teams or a lot of people would hope that they do. And I think that in this situation, um, I don't so much disagree. I think there were definitely lulls throughout the game, but I think those are more like energy lulls maybe rather than effort lulls. I mean, it's really up to um, trying to decide really what the difference between that is. But I do think that Maryland had some really strong points, but because of how many points I was able to put up, it kind of completely, all of that kind of gets swept under.
1: Yeah, so I guess, I mean, there's not much more to say about that Iowa game. Uh, obviously, we're incredibly dominant um, from from the entire – From start to finish, offensively, 110 points. Jordan Bohannon and Keegan Murray each have 30. Jordan Bohannon shoots 10 for 16 from three. Every point he scores is from three. I mean, it was just a clinical performance. And like Dylan said earlier, he loves playing at the Xfinity Center and and in College Park. So there's not much more to say about that game. So we'll go to the next game where Maryland actually went into Purdue this past Sunday and lost 62 to 61. Um, Eric Ayala didn't play in that game. That's Russell was phenomenal from start to finish. He had one of his best games, maybe his best game as a, um, as a Terp. You know, what was just the difference between the Iowa game and then this Purdue game when Maryland lost by one and they had a chance to, to win the game at the buzzer?
0: I, I honestly don't know if there's much of a difference. I think sometimes college basketball is just a sport where things just happen. And this was just the thing where not many people expected a a game like this to play out. And I think that's just kind of – I think that might just be, like, the bottom line. I don't know, like, the difference – like, the gray line between luck and, you know, winning the game because of how well you played. But, I mean, Maryland, without their top score going into this game, heading on the road to the number three team in the country, one of the best teams, if not the best team in the Big Ten – And they have so many stars all over Ivy, Stefanovic, uh, Edie, Williams. You know, they they have such a talented roster all around. And once Eric Ayala was ruled out in the pregame, I wasn't, I was almost positive that Maryland was likely going to lose by 25 plus. But then Purdue comes out with that first half where they put up 26 points and they just couldn't hit their shots. And it was just, I've seen this Iowa team play at least. I, I, Purdue team play at least five times this year and that was probably the worst I've ever seen them so sometimes it might just be a combination of luck but Maryland got lucky with the way that Purdue was shooting the ball and that's what made it a close game but I didn't think that it was nearly going to be that close especially with Ayala out of the lineup
2: yeah and I'm not really sure exactly what the difference between the two games is either but what I do think is Maryland definitely probably had some extra motivation after that Iowa performance and feeling maybe they did seem seemingly frustrated after that Iowa game, maybe not whatever the case may be and use that to go to Purdue. But I also think they talk a lot about just kind of like the next player up mentality and the fight and the effort. And we have seen that throughout the season. And I think, um, maybe some of that attributes to you, Fats Russell's performance that he had the other night. He's been a pretty solid player from around throughout, but it has been a little bit of a roller coaster. But, you know, Fats and Eric rely on each other a lot on the court, and we know that they have a deep history off the court. So I have to think that, like, also, you know, when it's announced that Eric is not going to be playing, Fats understands that he has to step into this different role where he is kind of he is almost filling a void, but also stepping up his own performance in the own kind of level that he plays at. So I do think part of that maybe plays a role in this extra motivation. I'm not saying that if um, Eric Ayala was playing, Maryland would have lost by a greater margin or whatever the case may be. But I do think that him not playing maybe sometimes, or when one of them can't play, or when one of them doesn't start, we've seen this, everyone else kind of steps up in a little bit. And we definitely saw that with the loss of Eric because of how much he does bring to the team when he's on the court.
1: And Fats and Fats plays with a ton of heart. I mean, yeah. like and I think part of it is also like what's what you said, Lauren, but it's also I think he's realizing that his, his you know, we're getting he only has a few games left as a college basketball player. And you know, that's like and he's played as many years of college basketball as he had, you know, that's that's sometimes hard to swallow, and he's realizing that and, and giving everything he possibly has to the game, to Maryland, and on the floor, and you're seeing him play with that heart, and, and it's resulting in good performances, and he's trying to do everything he possibly can to will this team to victory. Um, I, just in this game, you know, Maryland has shot had an opportunity late in the game um, or in the last play of the game. They had the ball down one. It's, a, it's a, excuse me, out of ba- out of bounds on the baseline. They run a play. Dante Scott. That's Russell comes off with a fake handoff. Dante Scott turns the corner, gets a decent look. Um, it was good help defense by Purdue, but uh, Dante Scott got a decent look. Do you think he was fouled on, on, on that attempt or not? Obviously, he would have to go to the line and make at least one to send it to overtime, make two to win the game. But do you think he was fouled on that last look with like two seconds left? Obviously, Danny Manning did. He tweeted, he said it after the game, and then he tweeted a different angle of showing that maybe he was touched a little bit. Do you think he was fouled on that last
0: on the last shot? Well, Jay Billis, I think, also tweeted that uh, Dante Scott was fouled going inside. And I would say uh, it's such a tough call because I'm sure if it was the other way around, Maryland fans and Maryland people would try to find a way to say that he wasn't fouled. But it looks like he did. He wasn't in a legal defending position. It looked like he got his arms over and made contact. But, you know, that's a bang-bang play that's late in the game that could really go either way. And sometimes it just goes the the home team's way. But I think, you know, I think it still was the right play call despite it not going in because I know if they were to end up taking a a jump shot or somewhere, you know, inside the perimeter or maybe even a three, who knows, I I would say that would be a bad shot. I would have said to take it inside. So I'm at least satisfied with the fact that, uh, Danny Manning drew up something to to Dante Scott. But, you know, it makes you wonder, uh, with the game that Fats Russell was having, what if they went to him? And he, he had the hot hand shooting. He was certainly hitting down a few jump shots. He could get into the paint with his explosiveness. There was some time left on the clock. So uh, it just makes you wonder, was, was it the right call? I think it probably was. But Fats Russell was having a good game, and he definitely deserved a chance to take that last shot too.
2: I mean, I think so, but when you look at kind of um, Coach Manning's philosophy on coaching, which is just kind of trying to find the shots like Dante had at the end of the game, and which is why it's surprising that we've seen him kind of go against that a little bit with some of these other late-game opportunities that he's had, I think specifically about that Michigan State one. And so I I do understand the perspective that maybe Fats is a good option for that last play, considering the level that he was playing at in that game. but. Dante definitely has continued, has shown a little bit more consistency, definitely not yet probably as consistent as he would like to be, but I think it made sense to do that at the end. And whether it was a foul or not, I think that Maryland played with a, came out in a completely different, and put themselves in a completely different scenario in this game than they did against Iowa. And I think we haven't seen them play since, so it's hard to see like what kind of influence that has going forward. And Maryland definitely has more challenges ahead as the season goes on but I think that that game shows that they can still compete with these top teams they have been competing with the top teams most of the times that they're playing and something happens where the other team goes on a run or they give up a lead that they have at halftime or whatever the case may be but I think that for me this big thing from this Purdue game is that they were able to compete with one of the best teams not only in the conference but in the nation and just really kind of stick with them and even if Purdue is having an uncharactered uncharacteristically bad night or whatever the case may be. I understand Maryland let up um, after having a larger lead in that second half and ended up giving it away. But I do think it's telling to that fight that they continue to have, even if you make the argument that maybe they didn't have so much effort against Iowa or didn't have so much fight against Iowa, they clearly cleaned things up pretty quickly and were able to show that and show they're not going to give up so easily.
1: Yeah, and you know, I thought it was a good play call. I like that they used fats. Obviously, everyone expects it to go in fast, but Dante's more than capable as well. So I like that they used him as a deco on the handoff. And Dante turned the corner, and and it worked. You know, he had a good look. It was good help defense for the defenders to come over. He might have, he could have had a better plan at the rim, but I thought it was a good play call in general. And you know, you could say he was he was hit. Maybe there was some contact, but I like the no call. Honestly, like I don't. You're not going to expect. You're not going to get that call that late in the game. You shouldn't expect it, even if there is some slight contact. Contact, you kind of need to finish through that unless it's a real clear hard foul, which I don't think it was. So I don't disagree with the no call. Um, I I think it was a good job by the officials there, but I do I do actually like the play call. Um, you know, we talked about when Maryland has this heart and we'll get to Ayala's status moving forward in a minute. But do you like when Maryland's playing like they have absolutely nothing to lose, like they have been, and like we saw against Purdue, do we think they could upset some teams come tournament time? Because you know, they're very well gonna be playing in that first game. If they can get out in that first round, if they can get out of that first round, can they upset a higher seed? You know, like because they really are playing with house money, like or they they're playing with they have absolutely nothing to lose, and some other other teams might be tight. And we know when Maryland's clicking, at all cylinders, or are knocking down shots, they're playing with fight, playing with energy. They still have the talent to compete compete with some of the best teams in the Big Ten, like we saw against Purdue. But like, do you see them upsetting a team come tournament time? Big Ten it's tournament.
0: De- yeah, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible, especially considering that those tournaments are at neutral sites, and especially without you know a big Big Ten crowd. You know, Maryland hasn't necessarily had that much of a home court advantage this season, but going to Purdue and places like Ohio State, you know, those are tough crowds to play against, and to, for Maryland to play on a a neutral court and to just play a little bit more freely, almost without some nagging fan presence, you know, who knows, who knows what a neutral court can do for a team that has uh, ten, like, it's still untapped talent, basically, that, that still hasn't come to fruition yet. But, you know, Maryland with Ayala, if he's playing eventually and Fats Russell, if he gets to keep this momentum going, if Julian Reese or Kudus Wahab, you know, start to become consistent, who knows what they can do during the tournament because they, they just kind of shown, Danny Manning has said that they have shown that they have had stretches where they could basically match up with anyone, and you know that is kind of like held true except for the game against like Michigan, I would say. So you know there, it's probably there's probably a good chance for Maryland to make some kind of noise. I think the first game though is going to be definitely a little more important because Maryland likes to play down to competition sometimes. So getting past that first day, it seems that they will end up in the bottom four of the Big Ten standings. So that first day is going to be important, and they're just going to have to take it one game at a time because that's that's basically how their season has gone. It, it's just been uh, losses recently, and they're just going to have to uh, look towards Nebraska now. And then in the future, they, And they do have a chance to take down a team in the tournament. So it just all depends on how they're playing leading up to it.
2: Yeah, I think that they definitely have a chance to off some upsets in that tournament. There's going to be a lot of teams playing for a lot more than Maryland is in that stretch of games and when Maryland I really feel for a very long time Maryland has been playing with this nothing to lose attitude in a very positive way it really seems to drive them and all that they care about is sticking together this has been a very challenging season for them on so many fronts and levels and so I think that they're going to continue to do that and especially when that they have when they know that week the stakes are higher for other teams I think that there's a chance for them to do that and You talk about them pulling off these kind of more improbable wins or sticking with teams. I really think about when they went to Rutgers and how the first time that they played Rutgers, they held on to that lead at halftime. They were at home and they just like completely gave that away. And that was, that was really a winnable game for Maryland and they couldn't get it done whatever the case may be. Then they go to um, Piscataway and they find a way to win and they figure it out and, and they do it. And they're one of, they're the only Big Ten team to do that. And so it's odd that Maryland's the only Big Ten team to do that, but it just shows that there's like something a little bit interesting about this Maryland team that maybe they don't get so frazzled about things that they were getting frazzled about at the beginning, simply because there's just so much more bigger things going on there than kind of like a loud home crowd. So when you look at playing at these neutral sites, like you were saying, Dylan, in um, Indianapolis for the tournament, there's just a lot of potential for Maryland to just kind of shake things up. They've had experience doing well at on the road. They've had experience doing badly on the road, well at home, poorly at home. So, like, it's really kind of up in the air for them, and I think that gives them, like, an interesting edge going into that tournament. It should be fun. Yeah,
1: it's, it really is funny that Maryland, every other Big Ten team has come into Rutgers, now the Jersey Mike's Arena, formerly the RAC. Every, every school has gone there, the best teams in the Big Ten, and no one – has been able to beat Rutgers in Rutgers, except for Maryland. It re- really is funny how that's worked out. But yeah, I agree that like you don't know what Maryland team is going to show up on like from day to day. So I think a lot of teams, when they're looking at that Big Ten um bracket, they're looking and going, I do not want to see, I do not want to see Maryland. Some of these best teams, Ohio State, whether it's Rutgers, Purdue, any of these teams, when they're looking at that bracket, they're saying, I do not want to see Maryland. On the other side of that bracket because you don't know what team's going to show up. They could have a game where Ayala and, and Fats also combine for 10 threes and shoot unbelievably. You just don't know what team's going to show up, but they have the fight and talent to compete with some of the best teams and, and potentially have an upset here. So now it's so now I want to talk about Eric Ayala who didn't play last game. Um, we just got off the uh, presser with Danny Manning who said he's. Hasn't been a full participant in practice, but he has been practicing a little bit. We don't know exactly. He doesn't know his status. Said it's going to be a game-time decision for tomorrow's game against Nebraska, which we will preview in a minute. But the only thing I know for certain about this Eric Ailes situation that I can say is that if he was, if Maryland was in, and the reason why, let's just say this, the reason why he's not playing right now is because of an apparent wrist injury that is a little bit mysterious because kind of he has been banged up, but it's certainly mysterious. It came out of nowhere. No one really knew about it. And, he, and Danny Manning said he came. Eric Ayala came to him right before the game last game and said that he doesn't feel comfortable playing, which is also a little interesting. The only thing I can say for certain is that if Maryland was competing for something right now, Eric Ayala would certainly be playing. And so we don't know if he's going to be playing the rest of the year. We don't know if he's going to be playing tomorrow. We don't know his status. But where, where are you with this Eric Ayala situation right now?
0: I, I think I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play against Nebraska, and I, I'm I'm still a little fifty fifty about that. But I think him being out against Purdue was completely a surprise. I don't think anybody was ready for him to uh, be ruled out, espe especially at first. I thought that the team was because I found out via the the program's Twitter. So I was looking at their starting five tweet. And I, I didn't see Eric Ayala, so I assumed, I don't know, maybe he's coming off the bench or something, you know, just to switch up the starting five with four consecutive losses. But then the, the comments under said Eric Ayala will, will not play in today's game. Due to an he angel. was
1: dressed up. He was dressed he, up in a warm He was dressed.
0: And you're right. I think if they did – if this game had any major implications, sure, he, Eric Ayala probably would have played this game. But I think just the fact of how close Maryland played Purdue – And the fact that they could have won that game, I think that's just going to prompt Ayala back into the lineup. I think maybe he was dealing with enough discomfort to just keep him out in the short term. And I I think it's reasonable to expect him to play against Nebraska, especially, you know, with him almost playing that game and then seeing the way the team fought against the Boilermakers. I I I think just knowing, like, Eric Ayala throughout his – Maryland career here, I think it would be surprising to not see him play against Nebraska.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I can't speculate on what's going on there. It's not, you know, we're not in those conversations, I guess, or I'm not in his head, whatever the case may be. But I do just think that what I do expect from him, whether he's playing or not, is kind of see... Similar, I saw, personally, off the bench, a lot of energy from him, kind of. There's lots of cheering and, you know, just supporting his teammates and continuing kind of that leadership that we've seen from him. So can't speculate whether we'll see him or not tomorrow going forward, but I do think we will continue, or I think we'll continue to see that leadership going forward, whether that be playing or kind of as more of this morale boost while he's figuring out whatever's going on.
1: Yeah, I, my guess—an educated guess—would be that he is. He'll play a couple more games this season, but he—I think every single game, pretty much, will be a game time decision moving forward. Um, whether they call it a wrist injury or whatever they call it, I think he—I think he'll suit up for a couple more games. He'll miss a few games, and then I could see him. I mean, this is just a guess, but I could see him playing the Big Ten tournament um, down the road. I don't. I don't. We don't know exactly what's going on there, and like, of course, we we can't necessarily speculate. But it is certainly mysterious, um, the wrist injury and, and just everything going on. And, and like I said earlier, I, I am pretty confident that if Maryland was competing for something right now and was having the season everyone expected them to have before the season, um, this wrist injury would not be keeping them out right now. But again, we, we don't know exactly. Um, so we can go into the Nebraska preview here because Maryland does play Nebraska on the road, 9 p.m. tip tomorrow, Friday night. Nebraska is horrible. I mean, there's no way – two ways about it. They're the worst team in the Big Ten. They have one Big Ten win. Um, it looked for a while like they might go defeated in the Big Ten. But, you know, they have good guards. Like This could be a team that Maryland loses. I haven't seen the, the line out yet. But what, what, are we, what are our expectations for this Nebraska game coming up?
0: I don't know. It kind of depends on if – despite how Maryland played against – Purdue, which I would see as like a performance outlier from what they've done typically. Uh, I think it just depends on if Ayala's in or not. Like, uh, I, I don't think that if Ayala's out, that they're going to lose, I still think they win. I just think that if Ayala's win, it's likely going to be a little bit more of a comfortable win. I still think Maryland pulls this one out on the road, despite having just a 2-5 and five road record. Nebraska's just not a good team. I guess you already touched upon that, Sam.
1: Putting it nicely.
0: Yes, putting it as nicely as I can. They're they're in the base. They're firmly in the basement of the Big Ten, and that's basically all you need to know about them. They do have uh, McAllen's Bryce McAllen's, who's really good and definitely someone Maryland's gonna have to watch out for. Six seven guard, five star he's phenomenal. And if Maryland is gonna lose that game, it's probably gonna be by his hands. So. I, I think Maryland should be able to come away with a win, even on the road here. Uh, it would be pretty surprising to see if if they lost. So we'll see.
2: Yeah, I don't disagree. I think Maryland just has to play up to the level that they're capable of playing up to, even if Ayala's not playing, if Fats Russell's playing the way he did last game, or anyone is playing, we've talked about it many times, if a few people on the offense are really playing their best, don't necessarily need all the pieces falling. But I do think that, um maryland should be able to win this one on the road even without their even with not a super um even with the two and five road record but i think that that really is relying on whether or not they play to their level or they play to nebraska's level or play like meet their level that is
1: yeah i mean look this is a friday game 9 p.m um two worst teams in the big 10 You know, if anyone's tuning into this game, kudos to you, Um, like have a fun Friday night, I guess. (laughs) But um, I see this as a, a Maryland win as well. And we can do our score predictions in a minute. But like this would be absolute rock bottom if somehow I mean, people were saying rock bottom. When they lost to Iowa, they're gonna have their worst record they've had in years anyway. So maybe we've hit rock bottom with this program, but on the season, it would be very much rock bottom if they lost to the worst team in the Big Ten in Nebraska. So I expect them whether Ayala I- Ayala's playing or not, I think the more talented team, they're the better team. So I expect Maryland um to get this win. And that two and five over record, I mean, you know, they actually have that win over Rutgers on the road and they're three and eleven overall in the Big Ten. So like that, that two and nine two and five road record isn't actually horrible all things considered the season that Maryland's had this year um so we again we don't know if Eric is gonna be playing or not but let's say he's out um would you rather have Ian Martinez or Marcus Dockery fill some of those minutes Ian Martinez got them last game um, and he and he played decently well you know he kind of fell out of the rotation um he kind of seemed like he lost his confidence a little bit but he played decently well uh against Purdue in the minutes he got but we've seen Marcus Dockery not get meaningful minutes, but he played at the end of that Iowa game and had a nice scoring boost. He can shoot the ball. He's not a great defender, but he can shoot the ball at a high level. Who would you rather see get those extra minutes if Ayala's out?
0: I personally think that they both deserve to split minutes, but I think Ian Martinez deserves a, a, a more extended look, especially for the rest of the season. You know, He didn't really come to his own basically throughout the entire season into the last two games the most confident that I've seen him all season were these last two games in the last game, especially, we were seeing some pull-up jumpers, some three-point attempts, you know, he was driving. And he may not be hitting all those shots and he may not be the most efficient player, but you can certainly see his confidence going up. And if Maryland needs anything right now, especially on the offensive side of the ball, if Ayala is out, it's going to be some extra offense. And if Ian Martinez starts hitting some of those outside shots, you are going to get, a better idea of the player that Maryland originally thought that it was getting. So Ian Martinez, I think is, I am not sure he's the better option over Dockery, but I think Martinez is starting to earn more chances with what he's showing confident wise.
2: Yeah, I don't so much disagree with that. I do think that they should be splitting minutes, both of them. We've heard flashes and we've seen flashes throughout the season of both of them working hard and clearly putting in the effort and all of that. But I do think that Ian Martinez is somebody who we talked about a little bit before the season Um, in all those preseason media availabilities, media day, he was talked about as kind of being able to come to Maryland, make a little bit more of a jump. He showed that a little bit at the beginning, but not even close to what I think people think he's capable of doing or that he thinks he's capable of doing. So I'd like to see kind of what he looks like with a more, Extended time on the court going forward, I think we're going to see a lot of both of them, whether Ayala is playing or not. I just think that we already started to before Purdue, and now we're definitely seeing that. So definitely expect Danny Manning to kind of work both of them and to the line up a little more.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Ian Marchand has proved himself that he, if Ayala is out, he can get some of those minutes and regain some of that confidence, play better defense. You know, maybe some knockdown, some some open looks that he might get. I, I, you know, I don't really see they're like they're playing with nothing to lose. Like we said earlier, even though it's a game they should win. So I don't see a problem giving Marcus Dockery some of those meaningful minutes. And if he's making shots, keep him in, you know, if he's not then then you pull him. but might as well give him that opportunity. Um, we'll do a little look ahead to the rest of Maryland's men, men's basketball season. They only have five games left after this Nebraska game. But first, let's just give a score prediction. Our favorite thing to do here um, for the Nebraska game. What, what, what do we have?
0: Um, let's see. Uh, so Maryland's offense, I I think Eric Isla plays, but I don't think he plays, you know, his usual 30 plus minutes a game. I think he plays somewhere around like 10 to 15 minutes. I'm going to say it's a a fairly low scoring game. I don't think either offense is impressive. So I'm going to go with 71 to 62. I'll say Maryland wins on the road.
2: Yeah, I think that Maryland wins also. I think Maryland, um, I do think that a few players might have themselves a little bit of a breakout night, maybe what we've seen other players do against Maryland or Fats Russell through the other night. I do think that Maryland has the potential. Some of them are kind of due for another one of those games. So I think Maryland wins 73 to 64 on the road.
1: Yeah, I think they went around that. I'm going to go 70 to 62. Um, Maryland gets the win, so we all expect the Maryland win. You know, that might we might have just jinxed it right there, but we'll find out tomorrow night. Um, so now looking ahead, you know, after Nebraska, they have five games left, and they have some winnable games on that ske- on their schedule. They play Penn State at home on Monday, and you know, Penn State actually looks decent. They picked up some good wins, so that's not a freebie by any means. But then they also play Minnesota, who's one of the worst teams in the Big Ten too. And if Maryland if the Big Ten tournament started today, that's actually who Maryland would be playing in that first round. It would be a Maryland-Minnesota matchup. So that's a winnable game. And then they have Indiana in there, Ohio State, and Michigan State. They've all played earlier this season, and they lost to all three of those teams. And like those are all three teams. Definitely Ohio State and Michigan State we expect to be in the tournament. Indiana's a little, a little bit on that bubble, but they're still a quality team. Um, what do we see, like, Maryland's record Do, we, do we, after this Nebraska game? Do we see them picking up? over or under two wins like how many more wins can they pick up and when it's all said and done where do you expect them to finish their standing in the Big Ten
0: I I would say that I I, I'm not sure that I think they're going to get the win against Nebraska I'm really up in the air about the Penn State game Penn State always seems to give Maryland some kind of issues specifically in basketball um the Indiana, football. Right, right, right. Uh, the Indiana and Michigan State games are likely going to be losses. The Ohio State game in College Park is likely going to be a loss. So it's really down to the, the Nebraska game, Penn State, Minnesota. And I would probably say that they're getting two or less wins the rest of the way.
2: Um, I disagree a little. I think that Penn State is definitely – we've seen the kind of – lack of success Maryland has had against Maryland men's basketball has had against Penn state. Um, but I do think that they find a way to win that. I think they find a way to win beat Minnesota and just, I, I think what we talked about with the tournament, the big 10 tournament applies to this last stretch of the season. These teams are playing and fighting. Would I be surprised if they picked up wins over either some combination of Indiana, Ohio state or Michigan state? Most definitely. I don't think that it, they it would be, It wouldn't be something that I would see coming ahead of time, but I don't – I do think that they have a really interesting opportunity to somehow win one of those games. Just that Ohio State game stands out to me. It's just because I do think that there's going to be a lot more of non-student fans at that game, and there's something about maybe the energy and the atmosphere in that building that day that really might kind of give Maryland a little bit of an edge. Edge doesn't necessarily be talent, but – I do think that there's a chance that they pick up one of those wins. It wouldn't fully, fully surprise me.
1: Yeah, and what you're alluding to is that Ohio State game um, February 27th will be, they'll be honoring the national championship team from 2002. So a lot of those alumni will be in the building. Um, alumni in general will be in the building. People will want to see that. So it may be a, a good crowd for the Ohio State game. You know, I agree. I think they're going to beat Minnesota and beat Nebraska coming up. I don't think they're going to beat Penn State. I just think Penn State has been playing with a ton of fight recently, and they're good. And Maryland's success, I mean, lack of success really against Penn State recently, a lot of it has been on the road. You know, they struggle playing at Penn State, and they've been upset when they've been the way better team in recent years. So I think Penn State might come in and actually beat um, Maryland. But I do agree with you, Lauren, that, you know, they really are playing with nothing to lose. And we just saw them come this close to upsetting Purdue on the road so I think they could get a win over a Indiana team that is kind of on the bubble but you know they, they they're kind of falling apart in these last in this last stretch of the season it could happen against Michigan State Ohio State I think Maryland wins three games the rest of the season and they finish season three and three I don't necessarily think that means they're going to be playing out of the bottom four you know as we look at the standings here Nebraska's in let the the Last four seeds are Northwestern with five wins. And then Minnesota, Maryland, Nebraska all have three wins. Um, so if Maryland wanted to play out of that, they would, have to, they would have to go three and three. And then Penn State and the Northwestern both have to drop at least three more games, um, I believe. So do you think there's any chance Maryland isn't playing in that first day as a bottom four, four, four seed?
0: Well, it's going to come down to that Penn State game, most likely. No matter whatever happens in that game, if Penn State wins that game, then Maryland's likely cemented into the bottom four. And since I'm not really sure about that game, I think that it's really likely that either Northwestern or Penn State don't play themselves back into the bottom four and they're able to stay afloat. And then I'm not sure Maryland is going to be able to work its way out. So I would expect Maryland to be in the, the bottom four with only six games left.
2: Yeah, me as well. I think even if they pull out some of those other wins, they got to be too reliant on other teams kind of messing up. And I think all the teams at the bottom of the Big Ten are in a similar place where everyone's playing a little bit more scrappy. So it'd be tough to say.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, even a three and three, let's say, best case scenario, Maryland finishes this season, I don't think – that'll be enough to get them out of that bottom four. So I I think they're going to end up as the 12th seed in the big 10, which is really remarkable that we're having, even having this conversation on February 17th, given what we were talking about, a potential, I think I said at least potentially final four team back in November. Wow. It's been, it's been a wild few months, but um, yeah, so I expect them to be in 12th place in the big 10 and likely a first round matchup against Minnesota, but we'll see how that all plays out. Obviously first up, uh, Coming up is Nebraska um, on the road tomorrow at 9 p.m. You know, if you're not doing anything else, tune into that game. We'll, of course, have you covered. And, again, thanks for listening. This has been the Testudo Times podcast. Another Thursday in the books, and we'll talk to you next week.